Welcome to The Real, the podcast where we talk about the entertainment that we consume and what we really think about it. I'm one of your hosts, Michael, and I'm ready to snap into this devilish defunction. And um, I'm joined this week by my co-host, friend, and um, man that has his voice back, thankfully, Jesse. How you doing, Jesse? I'm doing well. I would not have wanted you to do all the editing that would have been required to salvage uh, a recording with me earlier this week. So (laughs) thank you. Yeah. And also, unfortunately, too, um, it would have also been for our season three um, start, our first episode of our season three, which is next week. Um, Yeah. Would not have been fun for a start of a season. No, it, it, it would not have set a, set a good tone for <laughs> what we're trying to do here. So, unfortunate. Also, yeah, unfortunate. And um, it would have been really kind of, I think it would have kind of ruined our uh, special idea for or our special episode for season, the start of our season three, because I think it's going to be putting together something fun. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that would have been no good. <laughs> cool. Well, um this was kind of an episode we were thinking about doing something that took, uh, because we were doing something so, uh, so much bigger, uh, for the start of our season three. And even now next week, uh, Jesse and I kind of talked about doing something a little bit easier on us, uh, just so we could prep and get ready and have that going on. Uh, so this is going to be one of our, um, uh, episodes, a uh, similar structure we've done before the, uh, what have you can, what have you been consuming, uh, recently where we just kind of go back and forth and talk about some things that we've been, you know, consuming that aren't part of like the main mainline stuff that we normally talk about or something that's just a little bit off kilter, a little bit off the wall or to share because it's interesting. Um, so we've done these before. It's actually been a while since we've done this one, I think, or this, uh, format, right, Jesse? Yeah. I think you said last spring sometime. Was the yeah. Last one. So, um, for, if this is your first one of these, pretty much what we do is we just kind of go back and forth and talk about what we're consuming. Cause even though we talk about entertainment all the time, there's this entertainment that we're consuming, uh, separately and without the knowledge of the other person, I think, uh, sometimes. <laughs> yes. We don't get everything approved by the other person ahead of time. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, do you want to start or do you want me to start this time, Jesse? Oh, why don't you kick us off? Cool. So I'll talk about it. And actually, I think we both agree, at least as as thematically, is that we're going to try to vary up the mediums um, or um, entertainment uh, more than we have in the past. So I've brought this one up before in the last few weeks, um, just because it has been something I've been doing a lot of. Um, I've been playing the game Marvel Snap which is a digital collectible card game um, on my phone. And it is Marvel themed. Uh, That was kind of one of the things that I thought was interesting. Like, you know, I'm a sucker for it. I was curious. It looked a little fun. And then um, how it's different than other uh, card, like digital card games or even other like trading card games like Magic the Gathering is, is that uh, it's pretty fast paced. So Magic the Gathering, um, I actually I had that on my phone for a while. 
Um, I had it on my computer and I played it pretty frequently. Uh, it was free to play on the digital version effectively. You could, uh, very similar to a lot of other games, um, there's season passes if you wanted to buy into that. Um, usually it's like 10 bucks or something. Um, but with Magic, like, because it's a card game that exists in this state of like people could like draw out games forever. Um, there was in fact a game that I played when I was playing magic that a guy, because of the combo he had set up where he would gain life and then create a creature. And then every time he created a creature, uh, he would draw a card. And every time he draw a card, he would gain life. And so what happened was, is that because of this, he actually, I actually won that game <laughs> because once in magic, you have a set, like you have a deck, right? And once your deck is out of cards, you effectively die. Like you lose the game because you can't draw any more cards. And so there are like tactics in magic to like make your opponent draw cards or uh, mill cards. And so I was just playing this one, like whatever deck I was playing. And then this guy like, like launched this combo and then he was like emoting because he was all happy about it because i'm betting other people because he had a like a hundred something card deck it was crazy it was like a huge card deck and i bet that people don't like sit there and let him run it out joke was on him was that this was like my secondary game so i just let my phone sit there and it just ran it out but it was like close to like a 30 minute long thing where his card just kept doing this thing and eventually he lost um and that was like the good example of it, uh, where it came out in my favor. Uh, there's been times where it's like it just kept going on and on and on. The cool thing about Marvel Snap is, is that each game is like maybe three minutes long. And you jump in, there's only six turns, you have 12 cards, um, sometimes a little bit more depending on the deck. But you, you play out in three lanes uh, that have different characteristics. Uh, and you're done in three minutes or even shorter. If you're, if you know, you can retreat out of there pretty quickly. If you're like, Oh wow, I'm going to lose this game. You can uh -huh. retreat out beforehand. Um, so it's, it's pretty fast paced. And that's what I like about it. Cause I can, I actually like play a game in the morning. Like when I leave my apartment, I'll throw one on and between my, me walking from my door to the car in the garage, I can probably get a game in and or if i'm walking if i'm walking to work i could probably get one before i'm even like really away like a block away so it's a pretty fast-paced game and then you can get a few on your lunch you can get a few while you're like between like walking someplace so that's what i really like about it plus it's really fun because it's all marvel themed um yeah and I've, so i've seen a lot of ads for this that's fair yeah i i figured you've seen some ads it's, they're pushing it pretty hard it did win game of the year and to be honest, it's kind. It, it makes sense. It's a pretty interesting game. You have how it's structured is you have six turns. Each turn, uh, normally, this is all like standard stuff with no extra additive stuff. You get one one more energy than the turn you had before. So turn one, you have one energy. Turn six, you have six energy. Um, cards cost energy to play, and you can have cards that cost from anywhere from zero to some cards in one in particular cost uh nine and then you have their like power uh like how much like 
numerical value they add to the board, right? Mm -hmm. So usually cards that have like cost one don't add as much power as cards that cost six, but sometimes they can cost a, you know, uh, a little bit more because they have like additional modifiers on them. And the cool thing is, is that sometimes, not all the time, and this is where I have some frustrations with Marvel staff, uh, it's like really thematic. So sure. um, for example, um, a card that has like a little bit of extra power is Nightcrawler. Nightcrawler costs one energy to play. It has two power. And the cool thing about Nightcrawler, though, is that you can move him from one lane to another lane once during the match. Normally, cards you play in one lane, they stay there unless you move them some other way. So that's kind of a fun thing. There's like Rocket Raccoon, who has like an on-reveal effect that if you play him in the lane that your opponent plays a lane or plays a card in the same lane at the same turn, he gets um, plus two uh, power. So he becomes effectively, he can be a one four, which is a pretty good stat line. And then he has this cute little animation that if you play and then he like targets them and like guns come out of his card and he's like, pew, 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 pew. Um, <laughs> and so you have stuff like that. Then you have like on your higher end, like you have other cards that are um, like Destroyer, the the villain or the big suit of armor from the first Thor movie. He like drops on the board. He's worth six. He has 15 power, which is on the higher, but he has this on reveal effect where he destroys your other cards on your side of the table. So he like shows up, pops up, and like a giant laser beam comes out and goes across your side of the board and destroys all your other cards. Jeez, what a dick. <laughs> yeah. But also if you play like that's see, that's the fun thing, right? So like that type of um situation happens. But if you have a card like armor who protects all your other cards from being destroyed while in her field destroy it doesn't destroy any of those so you're dropping a a six cost card on you know on the last turn um he's 15 power you drop 15 power into one lane and this other all your these four other cards that you have in this lane are perfectly fine behind armor then you know it's just dropping six or you play him with cosmo the adorable dog from guardians in the galaxy uh, who's yeah. the best boy, except when you're playing against him in Marvel Snap, then he's really infuriating. Um, but Cosmo stops all on reveal effects. So you drop, you know, your destroyer into a Cosmo lane, and guess what? The destroyer doesn't do anything. So there's just these, it's this really fun stuff where there's synergy between cards. There's like ongoing effects, there's on reveal, there's cards with no abilities, um, but sometimes have a little bit more power because they fit into. A particular patriot deck who gives all cards with no abilities plus two power um there's like fun lore stuff um that kind of fits in there that's like secretly like a squirrel girl in the comics quote unquote canonically has beaten dr doom so interestingly in the game um, Squirrel Girl, when you play Squirrel Girl, she distributes two squirrel cards, which are one ones like her, uh, oh. to, the, the, to the two other locations. And then Doctor Doom 
who is a 6-5. Doom. <laughs> he distributes Doom bots, which are 6-5s like him, um, to the two other locations too. So it's kind of funny that Squirrel Girl, who's like canonically, quote-unquote, defeated uh, Dr. Doom, does like a similar ability as Dr. Doom. So it's got cool, funny stuff like that. Um, There's like Heimdall. He like moves people because, you know, he's in charge of the bridge. Um, And uh, like there's Black Panther who gets like he has an on reveal effect where you double his power and you can like do wacky and crazy stuff where you um, like play out Shuri, his sister, um, who doubles the power of the next card you play. Uh-huh. So he goes from a 4-4 four, four to a... Uh, or sorry, he goes from a 5-4 to, you know, a 5-8 if you play him normally. But if you play him with Shuri, then he goes from a 5-4 to a 5-16. So there's, like, a lot of really cool, fun synergy stuff uh-huh. in the game that is really fun and, like, kind of fits, like, sometimes they got issues with it. Uh, sometimes fit uh, like lore stuff and it's it's fun it's quick um it does have kind of a crappy monetization type structure you can definitely play this game for free um it also has season passes and you know i'm i'm always the opinion like a season pass to me is it's like 10 15 bucks like for what is like effectively uh, a month or a month and a half of like like just a little bit of extra content i'm okay with dropping that i know some people aren't um and then there's also like a shop where you can get like other packages and combos and things like that and buy more you know currency and stuff um which i haven't really done i did it just because i uh there was one that i really liked i got a deadpool uh special card and it's just funny because it's goofy looking <laughs> you ever feel like you're at a disadvantage playing with other players who maybe have spent more on the monetization crap or no? Uh, sometimes, yes. So there are some cards that are really frustrating to play against. Um, they're, they actually kind of, there's two right out right now that a lot of people don't like. Um, one I really hate because I feel like it really breaks the lore um, is Galactus. Um, Galactus, Galactus is a six cost card or six energy card. Uh, and he has a power level of two, which doesn't sound like that much mm-hmm. for a six card, except that his on reveal effect is, is that he destroys the other two lanes. Mm-hmm. So, um, with one caveat, he can only do that if he's the only card in that lane. Um, and so he it's really frustrating because like what you'll do is uh there's abilities i kind of reference there's there is the uh, there's the ability to get more energy um with particular cards like electro or uh psylocke um there's also locations that potentially can give you more energy um and so the the thing i don't like about there's a few things i don't like about galactus as like a gameplay one it's a very negative gameplay experience it's on forums, people are like, oh, it's so easy to see when Galactus is coming. And my frustration is has been several times is like, no, it isn't. Like sometimes like people are playing vastly different decks, 
they'll drop a wave card on turn three and wave makes all cards cost four uh-huh. next turn. And the pr- two cards that they played beforehand could have never been in a Galactus deck I've ever seen before. And then they play a wave on four and I'm like, Oh, okay. I need to do this specific. I need to have like either this thing or this thing or this counter in my hand. And if I don't have that in my hand, then I'm boned like, and then Galactus comes down and destroys the other two locations. And I'm like, cool, great, wonderful. Now I got to, I spent all this time either building up that other location and then just all my work's gone. So it's just a very negative gameplay experience. I think also it irritates me because Galactus doesn't destroy other places. He destroys the place where he's at. So from a lore thing, it kind of bugs me like that. That's how it happens. Like he destroys the other locations and that's not really how Galactus works. He destroys the place he's at. So I think it would be, it would be, it would be a still a pretty bad game experience if like he comes down and destroys the place you were working really hard to build up. But also, it takes the game from a three lane game down to a one lane game, and you know most Galactus players because they're big fish have like some sort of special Galactus plus a uh, a card that gains power for all the other cards that are games all the power of all the other cards destroyed. Mm. So. It's, it's, in my opinion, it's just a real negative gameplay experience. And then they also normally, because they aren't, it, it's not always super telegraphed because sometimes you'll have somebody who will play wave on turn three and then on turn four play like a death, which costs nine. And the only way to reduce her cost is by killing other things on the board. And so you'll play as if you're playing for, like they're playing for Galactus and then they don't play Galactus and you're like, oh, okay, well, damn, I just wasted this card <laughs> that I was going to play, like could have helped me later. And now they just played this really strong card. And now I don't know what, you know, so sometimes I do feel disadvantaged, but other times like I'll beat people that have much better. I've beaten plenty of Galactuses before. Um, I've, because of potentially I have a counter in my hand. So it's enjoyable to watch the, the it's like really satisfying to, to, like watch a guy snap on uh, turn three or just before he plays his wave snap. He gets, um, oh, that's also, I probably should explain that. So there's ranking in this game and each game you like bet one cube. Okay. Uh, you both bet one cube. And then if no one snaps, if the game ends, whoever wins gets two cubes and the guy that loses, loses their cube. Right. Okay. But you can raise the stakes a little bit by snapping because, you know, Thanos, right? Marvel right. snap. It's in, yeah, yeah. Um, so if you snap, you then play, if the snap goes through, the next turn you're playing for two cubes. And at the end of the game, if only one person snap, then you win, then the winner wins four cubes and the loser w- uh, loses four cubes. If you both snap, then it goes up to four cubes on the next turn and it, the whoever wins gets eight cubes and whoever loses loses eight cubes. So there's like some gambling in there and there's like a huge part of the community talks a lot about uh, cube economics um, and like cube uh, like ratios and like, um, is it worth staying in? Is it worth getting out type stuff? Um, which I always get frustrated with because there's a lot of RNG in this game. And there's been plenty of times where I'm like, I'll win an eight cube win. I'll just, 
cream my opponent because they thought they were going to play something great. And then I'm just like, okay, cool. And then I play like a stellar hand where I drop a bunch of stuff and they're like, and they're just like, Oh my gosh, I didn't see that coming type stuff. Um, and I'll, you know, win that game, I'll get eight cubes and then I'll play, you know, seven games in a row where the mm-hmm. RNG just royally screws me. Like either I'll go against a deck that directly counters my deck like three times in a row. Uh, I'll play into zones that counter what I'm playing. I'll do this. And so all of a sudden that eight cube win effectively means nothing because now I'm down to one, like effectively after that entire thing, I'm only actually up one cube. So. I think I played a WWE mobile game that was kind of like this. I think it was called WWE Supercard, and it's Mm -hmm. like the same thing, except it's cards that are wrestlers. And it's just, you know, there's not as many lanes, but it, it sounds like a similar concept. Yeah. And. Like you're like the question you were asking, like, do I ever feel like I'm like losing because there's people that have better cards? I mean, yeah, there's been plenty of times where it's just like I've played against people who have like the newest, hottest card. Uh, the newest, um, hottest card right now is actually Kang, who's broken the game because he, um, like he broke the MCU, <laughs> right? So he, um, he has this ability where if you play him out, you repeat that turn. So if you uh, he costs five energy, he has zero power because all mm-hmm. of his all of the power for his card comes from his ability. So what can happen is is like on turn five or turn six, or if you cheat him out earlier, um, you play out the card. It then resets the turn, and so you can see what your opponent plays and how they're mo- making their moves, and you can also gain information like. Um, what the next card you're going to draw will be potentially uh, if you have like a sequence of events that happen. Um, there's a card Lockjaw who's from the Inhumans. He's a dog that does teleport uh, teleportation. He's pretty cute. Um, mm-hmm. He's gigantic too, though. Um, and his ability is, is that if you play a card in his lane while he's there, that card activates, does all of its reveals and all that type of stuff but then gets sent into your deck and another card from your deck comes out. And so with Kang, you can like play out cards. And if you put a card with Lockjaw and it goes in and then comes out, you can see what that card will be. So you can get that information if it's worth playing or that type of stuff. Well, it's broken the game because people have figured out how to trigger him by like making the on reveal effect happen in a different way. Um, and so there are people that literally have shown that they can get into an infinite loop <laughs> and f- cause the opponent to get stuck in there with you. Oh, shitty. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, it's, uh, and it, like, there's a, I've seen some people like, you know, the Dormammu have come to bargain type thing. <laughs> like, that's like what it is. And like people like it's, and it's not crazy hard to do it. it you just have very, have to have very specific cards and kind of a specific order but even then um it's just one of those things that is um just second dinner is the people that published it and i feel like they're trying to do well um there's been some stuff where there's like some real real overpowered crap like uh silver surfer 
uh, Galact or like Cosmos was one of the the themes for the uh, a season. And Silver Surfer costs three energy to play. He had zero power, but his on reveal effect gave all other three cost cards three power. Which, okay. Except when you have an entire deck that costs, when you play out all the cards you have, cost three power. Suddenly there's cards like uh, Brood that cost three power, and it generates two other cards that also cost three onto the field that have two power each. So when you play out Brood, it's effectively like playing three cards that all cost two power. Well, Silver Surfer takes that total of six points and adds nine. So all of a sudden, those that card that only costs three in a vacuum is six. And then he goes, hey, guess what? This card's actually worth 15. So suck wow. it. <laughs> um, and that was like, people were like, really like, this sucks. And then there's other cards that like double that um, and locations that double that. And so like people were like, he needs to get, he needs to get nerfed because it was just like, all you were seeing was a bunch of silver surferness. And like, as soon as like you would see brood, it'd be like, Nope, I'm done. I'm out. Like, this isn't worth my time. Like I'm quitting this game and I'm going into a new game. Um, mm. And so they nerfed him. Now he only gives two power, which is better. Um, and they've done a few other things like that, but there's some other issues with the game of like matchmaking where it doesn't really feel balanced. Like there's, you have pool one, pool two, and pool three uh, of like cards you can have. And once you break into the next pool, you start battling people in that next pool level, but there's nothing higher than pool three. So as soon as you go, for, like you can literally go from pool two to pool three, and then you could start facing people that have Galactus, Thanos, um, Th uh, Kang the Conqueror, uh, decks that just like literally do bonkers fucking stuff that you've never seen before because you've never like experienced it. And it's just like, Hey, guess what? Screw you. Um, so they have some issues I feel like with kind of matchmaking. Um, I've played, I've literally, I played one guy through, uh, four times in a row, the same guy. Um, and, and it was, Key, I I won our I won our first game. He quit out here. We he retreated. I hit play again, and then it was him again. And then he did like there's like little emotes you can do like the spider the Spider Man uh, pointing emote, and I did the Spider Man pointing emote because it was like hey we just battled, <laughs> and then I was creaming him again, and so he retreated that time, which is fine. Like I like yeah I do that too, man. Like it's not worth losing two cubes, um, if you know you're gonna lose. So he retreated. I hit play again and it was the exact same guy and I Spider-Man emoted to be like, Hey, Oh my God, it's you again. And he instantly retreated. And then I was like, I was like, fair, fair. I literally was, I just was beating you twice. And then I hit play again. And mind you, we're like, I'm out of the game. I do my collection stuff like that. There's a few seconds, probably difference. I hit play again. It was the same guy. And instantly like he saw me and retreated again. Like, the amount of people playing this game is crazy, but how in the astronomical probability do I face the same guy four times in a row? So I think they, they, they're trying, they're kind of a smaller developer, 
Yeah. And I, th- I think they're trying to be better. And they've also said like, yeah, we kind of messed up with the, the, the Sur- silver surfer. Like it was cute because, you know, he cost three, he affected three cost cards and he gave plus three. And so you see, it's kind of cute, but like, that's not good game design to be cute. <laughs> and sure. it just kind of frustrated the community. So yeah, it's fun. Um, I was caring a lot more, and recently I decided I was like, because I, I wanted to get higher, and there's like this this rank thing where you can get to infinite and you get more prizes and stuff, and it's that's all free. Like there's no buy-in for that. Like you download the game and you can rank through these ranks, but it does really feel like there's this rubber banding effect where a lot of people complain like it doesn't like it feels like I'll go up like two ranks and like be battling people that I feel kind of like okay with and then I'll get up to a certain like I'll do really well and then all of a sudden it's nothing but like super hard decks decks I can't like direct counters to my deck and so then I'll go down two levels and then I'll go back up two levels and then I'll hit that same wall and go down two levels and then after going down those two levels then I'll hit those same decks all the way down where I go down three levels and so I'm further than I was before. And so then I battle back up. And so it's like people like legitimately go like, I can't get out of this range. It legitimately feels like the game is facing me against the hardest possible people when I get to a certain point. And then when I get so low, it gives me like dumb idiots to play against where they play all of the wrong cards in the wrong order. And then I'm back up, but I can't get out of this certain thing. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's all designed to like tempt you, yeah, pain for that extra stuff, like yeah, frustrate you into <laughs> forking over your money. Yeah, and that's and that's kind of that's at this point. Like, I was trying really hard, and then I was just like, you know what, f it. I got to like level seventy. Um, I got five hundred extra little credits to be able to upgrade my cards. I don't get the cute little. Modoc uh avatar unlock i guess fine whatever i suck and so i was just like cool i'm just gonna play this play decks that i kind of want to play and i found one that's like fun enough that i don't feel like i'm like getting my teeth kicked in if i don't play their exact right cards but also it's at least semi-competitive that i've been able to keep in my 70 range so yeah yeah well that's good yeah, I mean, it's a fun game. It's like I said, it's one of those things where it's it literally is just like cool. I'm gonna play this for like a minute, and I've definitely gotten to the point where I'm just like, oh, if I need to like like you know if something's coming up or um, like I've done it where I'm like um, walking to something at the at my job, and I'm like, oh, I got a radio call. I'm just gonna quit this game. Like whatever, it's one cube. Who cares? And even I got to some points where it's like, if my opponent snaps before I even like look at my cards, I'm like, no, man, I'm not, it's not worth my time to try to play this game because clearly you think you're either trying to psych me out or you have the perfect combo in your opening hand. It's not worth me playing for that. So I'm just like, yeah, I'll just get out of here. Yeah. At least you were able to find like a a nice little groove to exist in where the game is still enjoyable to you because I feel like that happens with a lot of mobile games. You reach that that kind of that crossroads where it's either pay or be eternally frustrated and it kind of just kills the game for you in a lot of ways. Yeah. 
I've talked for far too long about this, Jesse. I'm going <laughs> to let you go. It's very popular right now. So I think. it is. I, it didn't. I mean, man, it, it won game of the year. And to be honest, like, I don't necessarily think it's just the Marvel name that's behind it. That's made it so popular. The, the mechanics and like the, the process behind it, like it's fun. It is tactical. Like I, yeah. like you, my punts playing cards and I'm like trying to figure out what kind of deck he's playing. Like, Oh, he played, um, a hood on turn one. Well, that could mean lots of things. He could be playing a destroy deck, which kills cards and, or he, you know, played, um, an Ant-Man on turn one. Okay. Is he playing an on, is he playing like an ongoing destroyer deck type thing? Cause like there's cards that are built really well together. And so it's really interesting to kind of like, be like, what is my opponent playing? And then there's sometimes where you're like, the, the person's just throwing out cards and you're just like, what the, what are you playing, dude? None of these cards work together. And then like, sometimes when that happens, you just like are playing through. And then like on the last turn, they do something crazy bonkers. And you're just like, Oh, okay, I, I just I just lost, but I'm kind of impressed that I lost to that. Cool, I like it. And then like, you know, like I'll like screenshot it and be like, what? And like try to figure out what was going on and like how they did that. So yeah. That's good, man. I'm glad. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad it's worth the hype in some yeah. ways. <laughs> Sticking in the realm of video games, one game that I've been playing lately is the Nintendo Switch adventure top-down game Golf Story. And it is presented as a role-playing slash adventure game. And it follows a sort of down-on-his-luck golfer who's trying to rekindle his love for the game passed down to him by his father after not playing the game for 20 years. And you attempt to impress your estranged wife. You try to get on the professional tour. You meet a lot of quirky people along the way. You do some side quests. You do some things that have nothing to do with golf. And you play some golf. And it's a perfectly accessible, easy to pick up, but rewarding to stick with type of RPG. I have seen people review this as like an amazing experience was a phrase that got used a lot. I don't know if I would classify this as an amazing experience, Michael, but uh, it's, it's a breezy game. It's fun to pick up and it was pretty cheap. I think I picked it up for like 15 bucks or less uh, on the Nintendo store. So if you're looking for something that is not as daunting as trying to slog your way through Elden Ring, which I have still have not done, then this might be the game for you. Interesting. So you like play like golf matches, but then also do like role playing stuff or like RPG stuff where you have to like find five chickens or some something. Yeah, you. There's like some treasure quests and then they work Frisbee golf in there. So interesting. You don't, you don't do just like traditional golf. Um, you have a little journal where you can view your active quests. You can pick up different clubs throughout the game and then switch those out in your inventory. And they have fairly cartoonish effects. Like one of your 
uh, wedges will like create sparks or lightning when you swing it real fast. So you'll use it to like light fires or like kickstart a machine and you know, weird shit like that that has nothing to do with golf. So <laughs> it's it's an entertaining game, but it's a little quirky, which I enjoy and I'm not quite as in love with it as some other people seem to be, but it was fun. I I'm glad I picked it up. Nice. Okay. They made a sequel called Sports Story, which did not get as many <laughs> did not get as many good reviews. So I, I think we'll be uh be ending the journey here. But uh yeah. If you're looking for some light and breezy, then that's the one I'd recommend. I mean I do like good light and breezy. Um <laughs> it's nice. Sometimes you don't wanna like have a a game that you're super attached to or that you're really invested in, you know? Oh yeah, no, I definitely, I get you. Yeah. Sometimes you're just like, uh, I don't want to commit as much. So <laughs> I'm tired. Yeah. Can't do it. Can't muster up the will. <laughs> so that's what I've been playing. And what else have you been getting into lately? Yeah. So, um, I wanted to kind of go back to, something that was a little bit, or quote unquote, go back to something. Um, uh, wow. I just realized it's also Marvel themed. Um, I watched, uh, I've been watching moon, uh, moon girl and devil dinosaur, um, a Disney plus animated show. Uh, mm -hmm. I saw it, some of the trailers and what really started, what really took me was the animation style. I really think it's very unique. Um, I like how it like looks and flows and it looks like kind of fun and energetic and like just a an interesting <laughs> just animation a cartoon uh adaptation type thing right so i was given it a watch and it was you know standard fair kind of childish cartoon uh moon girl devil dinosaur there um uh, a marvel property um and it is a super smart girl and her pet giant dinosaur um, battling crime uh, and being just ridiculous. Um, but they're super fun. Uh, they're really cute together. Um, and I just really like their whole uh, process that they go with it through the 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 show um their dynamics real fun but i really want to talk about it because um with uh black history month uh was kind of another reason i was watching it and yeah. i really enjoyed the um kind of the messaging that one of the episodes had which was about um, the main character's hair. Uh, she's um, black. And so she has these um, Afro puffs, I think is what they described to them in the episode uh, or in the show. Don't quote me on that. I am not an expert on hair uh, except my own. Um, <laughs> and they had a whole episode that kind of talked about uh loving your own hair where her mom was talking to her about 
uh, making sure she was wearing like a silk cap when she went to sleep and caring for it properly, uh, using a, a like a wide comb, a white teeth comb and things. And in the show, they had a small moment of what was a microaggression, but it really affected her, the main character, where some girl mentioned that her hair looked really um, unkept or like gross or like uh, matted or something like that. What, from my understanding and like seeing and doing a little bit more research into and, you know, is a thing that happens a lot with black women and their reference to their hair is because it's not the quote unquote European style of beauty. And so there's a lot of struggle and issue that goes into that and um, among that culture about learning to love their hair. And I thought it was a really great episode that she struggles with it. She's super smart. So she makes some sort of formula to like straighten her hair uh, as a hair straightener, but she forgets the uh, neutralizing agent um, to stop the whole straightening process from happening. And if you don't, put a neutralizing agent in your hair after you're trying to straighten it, it will literally fall off your head because it's just like eating away at it. And sure. so she like super juices it and the hair becomes its own villain. Um, and it's like sabotaging her. And she has like, she tries on some wigs and it, she like struggles with it. Cause it's when she's riding uh devil dinosaur, it's like flopping and hitting her in the face. Um, <laughs> and so it's this whole thing that really made me appreciate the fact that this is out there for people and that aren't me. This is an animation. This is a cartoon. This is a show for other people and it shows a different world and I can appreciate it that it's out there and like recognize that I love it because it's out there giving a message that someone might need to hear. And I think it's great that they did it. So I just wanted to share it. It was, Animation is kind of fun, Poppy, and it also, I think, has a lot of very interesting messaging behind it that is wholesome and sweet. And what was the title one more time? So it's Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur, which is a very weird. <laughs> it is a comic book thing and a half. Um, and you said Disney Plus, right? Yep, Disney Plus, yeah. Yeah, I'll put that in the back of my mind. Like, yeah, something I've been watching recently, Michael. Yeah, is not anywhere. It's pretty much the complete opposite of this. <laughs> uh, was the unbearable weight of massive talent? Ooh, which of course was the 2002 action comedy starring Nicolas Cage. Uh -huh. As a fictional version of himself. Yeah, I I never got around to seeing this, but I'm starting to see there's like a, a TikTok meme of them driving or something like that that people are, are stitching. I don't know if I'm using that correctly. <laughs> um, yeah, you probably are. I'm, I'm not on TikTok, so I wouldn't know. <laughs> but uh, it also stars Pedro Pascal, who's fucking everywhere these days. And it is kind of a buddy cop 
type action comedy film something like Nicolas Cage might have made earlier in his career um but it they just they were really funny together and I was kind of surprised and I wouldn't call myself the biggest Nicolas Cage fan but I'm old enough to appreciate what he's contributed to the action cheese genre and how important he was to that uh in the 1990s so yeah I, I i have respect for the man even if he's not my favorite actor but it was it was a fun movie i was surprised interesting what made it particularly uh enjoyable for you like what we're really saying to you i think you just really buy the chemistry between those two main characters it's kind of the backbone of the entire movie and what is otherwise conventional in some ways or Nicolas Cagey in some ways. I think uh, that that impact doesn't hit you as hard because you actually have a rooting interest in, in seeing a, a positive ending, if that makes sense. So... Yeah, I, I mean, that makes sense, yeah. Yeah. It's not, I'm not going to say it's, you know, again, kind of like Golf Story. I'm not like, ah, this is an amazing experience. <laughs> <laughs> it was funny. It, it stars Nicolas Cage playing himself, and he makes friends with Mando slash Joel. So it's it's fun. Gotcha. Huh. Well. <laughs> so if you ever, yeah, I'm sure it's streaming places now or will be soon so on one of the various networks there michael you could probably check it out if you felt so inclined i mean i might it's, it's like it's like one of those nights where you're like yeah I, I could watch something <laughs> and not pay like super close attention but it also it might surprise you you never know yeah no that's very true it it might be just super stellar and amazing. <laughs> it was, it was fun. Um, but yeah, what else have you been doing? Yeah. So, um, I want to talk and I haven't been doing this really all that much or that like uh, crazy amount recently. Um, but I kind of been, I just suggested this to somebody else. And so therefore I thought I'd suggest it here again, uh, in a different venue, but there's this particular, uh, YouTuber, um, that I have fallen in love with. Uh, it's one of those ones that I found one of their things and then have watched their entire back catalog and I'm now horribly, horrifically crushed because I cannot, they aren't producing as much content as I have consumed and therefore can't keep up with it. Uh, uh, bummer. Yeah. Um, but uh, that person is uh, defunct land. Um, and they do, uh, video essays, um, ranging from small little things like, uh, defunct TV, which is like 15 minutes or so on things like, uh, the history of bear and the big blue house, uh, history of the lost, uh, of the legends of the, the hidden temple. Um, if you remember that show, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, so they do some things like that, and then they do like a little bit longer segments. That's actually where um, 
for our Jim Henson one, I watched their history of Muppets um, and like him doing like an entire thing on Jim Henson. Uh, so I watched a lot of that because it was really informative. And then he also talks about making and constructing amusement parks and kind of the history of amusement parks, Disneyland and things along those lines. And he recently in the last, uh, his last like three that he's done that are really great. I love them because he really kind of has accelerated himself from kind of doing some other stuff to really diving deep into a particular topic and really just getting you invested in it. Um, the, the most recent one he did was like three months ago uh, on the Disney Channel's theme song. And it's the dude, 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 right? That, that, those like those, that tone. And so he dives deep into it. And I'm saying deep, it's an hour and a half long. And he dives into like finding out who wrote that theme song. And it is a wonderful story of him like going through this and researching and like going to like archived footage to like show what was happening and then like it also is like very jarring because it was done around the time uh like a year after 9-11 so there's like a bunch of segments of kids talking about the effects of 9-11 and things while he's also doing this research and so he does a lot of really great ones but if i was going to say like to start you out on purely what i think is one of the best um like should have won a documentary award is Disneyland's Fast Pass a um, the, uh, the history of that? And so he sets up this whole premise and like tells you about how Disneyland has done tickets in the past, how they're doing them kind of now. And since he's making a theme park, a defunct land of all these defunct uh, amusement parks, he's talking about the ticketing for his made up park. And so he introduces to kind of help like simplify the concept of lines and guests and there's how there's different types of rides and different types of guests and how those interact. He makes up this thing called shape land and you become extremely invested in this. And Jesse to tell you that this at the ending of this uh, YouTube video has a better twist and reveal than most any M. Night Shyamalan uh, movie is an understatement. Like I was, to say that I was blown away and like, just like, like an awe of this like twist, like this twist or this reveal at the end of this video that he did was just, was amazing. Um, because you just be, he, he breaks it down in such a way that really it, it becomes easy for you know i never cared about fast pass or cared about how disney did the ticketing system or really sure. ever thought about lines um until i until where i until i work where i work now where i did kind of was like oh well this seems like something that actually might be interesting to learn a little bit more about and he took me on a ride and it was beautifully done and he does his re it's just it's great i can't like like it's great content it's completely free um <laughs> because it's youtube you just gotta watch some ads sometimes 
um, unless you get an ad blocker, which hey, t- power to you. Um, but he does these really great ones, and I think the last three he's done, he's also did one on Disneyland's Forgotten Sci-Fi Rock Band, um, <laughs> where there was like an entire rock band that Disney put together that only like performed for like a summer, and there's like a loyal cult fan base following. And he like reaches out to the old band and like connects with a bunch of them. And like, they, they like talk about the process and it just, it has to be with this one. And also the theme song one, he like reaches out to these people that like, this was a part of their life at one point. And potentially some of them like never, um, like this was, this is, this is, this is a major point of their life or minor point of their life. And to have somebody come out and be like, hey, I want to talk to you. I want to learn as much as I possibly can from you about this thing. It's such a wholesome, wholesome and wonderful thing out of what is a disgusting corporate organization <laughs> at many times. So, yeah, I don't know. It's worth the watch. He's a very he's very good at what he does. Plus, he also has a wonderful series on like uh, like the history of theme parks in America. And it is fascinating just so cool learning about that stuff <laughs> yeah no i uh i pulled it up on my phone here did a little search and i think i found it it clocks in about an hour and 43 minutes so not too long 16 million views man wow i got it uh my coworker sent me a tiktok with that it was because we had we, we have we have talked about this at work and it goes, uh, it was like, what's the greatest reveal that you've ever experienced um, type thing? And then it split uh, or was stitched with the moment that it's re- the big reveal happens in this episode. And I was like, yes, a thousand times yes, this is the greatest reveal ever done. So, yeah, it's just fun. It is definitely, yeah, 16 million views. It is worth the, the hour and 43 minutes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> it sounds interesting. Like you said, it's not something that I really ever would have thought about, much less considered something <laughs> suitable for a full-length documentary about. But uh, hey, that, there you go. Yeah. So maybe I'll I'll cue that up when Nat tells me next time. She tells me I don't care what you put on. Boy, <laughs> right. oh, I remember you said that. Yeah. <clears throat> you'll just get sucked in It'll be wonderful probably i you know i i always love a good documentary i don't even really care what it's about so i will yeah. take us home i guess mm-hmm. and i have been trying to read more i do pretty well, well with that sometimes not so much but one series i was able to pick up and put down you said we haven't done one of these since last spring, so it was after that, but it was, I think it was probably over the summertime then, mm-hmm. um, was the March Trilogy, which is the autobiographical black and white graphic novel trilogy about the civil rights movement, and of course it's told through the perspective of John Lewis. Um, it was actually written by Lewis, which I thought was really cool uh, you don't see that very often that somebody will write a graphic novel adaptation about their life which is pretty cool and with help 
from another author, Andrew Aiden and Nate Powell, the illustrator who did all the art. And I was really glad that I picked this up. Um, it, it covers, of course, a lot of the history of that movement, um, of course, with John Lewis's life and upbringing in Alabama and his formative years all the way up to when he's, you know, fully part of this movement and of course all the other famous people that he meets. Um, so it's, it's great for history. I think the art is very well done. I think doing this in black and white was very smart. I think that because of the subject matter creates some very stirring and unsettling images at times, uh, some powerful ones as well. And while I don't think they back away from some of the horrible events that transpired during all this, it's not overly graphic. It's not as graphic as I thought it was going to be. I think they really went out of their way to make sure they're handling this mature subject matter with care, but they're not going to make it inaccessible to like children and, you know, kids who might be curious and, you know, be in the comic section and just happen to pick this up. So I thought, I thought that was a smart decision. Hopefully that helps get it in more homes and more schools. Um, but it was, it was an outstanding trilogy, Michael. I, I really enjoyed it. Sounds cool. Yeah. Uh, I, I've got it pulled up here and added it to my uh, Amazon uh, uh, wish list, which is where I keep my comic books, because in case I yeah. can't find them in the store, it's just easier just to go like, find Amazon, here's my money. Yeah, I, I mean, I keep lists on Amazon anyway, because it's just easy to refer back to it if you're in the store and you're trying to remember something real quick. That's <laughs> the... <laughs> So do the same thing. Um, but yeah, it, I would definitely recommend it. They also, they had started a follow-up series to this uh, titled Run, uh, which continues uh, the his life story into the 60s. They got the first volume out. And then, of course, tragically, uh, John Lewis passed away not long after that. So I don't know if they're going to continue that or not. They seemed, based on what I read, they sounded pretty unsure that anything else was going to happen or that they were going to try and finish that. And if so, that's that's too bad that they didn't get to finish that story. But at least they were able to cover all of this. And for that, I think we should all be grateful. Yeah. I mean, I think that I... I really do believe graphic novels are a wonderful way of telling those harder stories mm -hmm. because I think of, I mean, so many that it just, it, it can help the visual side of the comic blend so wonderful with the text and allows for the potential for more people to be able to interact with it. I think, um, I myself being dyslexic, uh, comic books have always been a, a, a um, not safe space, uh, a welcoming uh, way into reading. 
Um, I even do this to this day where I'll actually get a comic. I will look through a physical. I only do this with physical though. Um, I'll look through and look at all of the pictures of the comic, which I used to do when I was a little kid and struggled reading. I would look through the entire book and kind of get a sense of what was happening. And then I would go back and kind of read. And then if I struggled with a portion, I could, you know, kind of gather what was happening or like have the knowledge that something was going to be happening in the next few pages. And so I was able to kind of get around that. And I still do that with physical comic books, not with digital, really, because it's a little bit harder to flip through, quote unquote, <laughs> um, like a screen or something. But I think in seeing comics like this and um, Mouse and um, what was it? what is the George Takei one? The uh, They called us enemy. That's one that. All of those, I feel like, do such a wonderful job of helping to show the situation to emphasize the words that are being written in such a way that it, it drives home so much more of an emotional impact than potentially only written word could do. Absolutely. Or just a, or just even like just a visual visual representation of it. I do love how it can expand on what's written by also coexisting as a visual medium. I also appreciate that it's invaluable in reaching a new audience and sharing that history with those who maybe, you know, never wanted to or struggled with, you know, picking up a history book and, you know, reading through that. And I think that's great. You see that with stuff like this. I read Takei's They Called Us Enemy. I thought that was fantastic as well. well same reasons and i also saw they they did the iliad dude in a in a graphic novel mm -hmm. and that's like dude that's so brilliant because <laughs> it's it lends itself so well to being presented in that medium but it also like some of these older books like kids are just never going to pick those up but they might see that as a graphic novel and be uh very uh invigorated <laughs> and want to you know figure out what that's all about so that's very cool i think yeah just what it is it's i i think that's really why um uh free comic day is important i know it's a little off topic of what you're talking about here i apologize no, but we're we're wrapping up so yeah <laughs> i do really think that's why like free comic day and encouraging kids to read comics that potentially aren't interested in reading uh full books is so important because it does add something and you can have moments and i think um uh they called us enemy particularly i'm if i remember correctly there's moments where he's narrating uh what he's experiencing what's happening but then the pictures are showing a different scene or a different uh, like uh, a juxtaposition of what he's talking about, what's actually happening, which I feel is very hard to have something come across that is just written text. Um, it is very hard to tell, to, to, to be like, this is what was happening. And then be like, but really what was happening in like parentheses, it feels very unnatural. Um, 
Whereas in a comic, it can be something like that of what's being told to you and what's being shown to you can be two different things or what's being told to you can be reinforcing what is being shown or vice versa. Yeah. Well, that they use this trick very well where it's, it's like the narrator, you know, and it's got the little, the little, you know, text bubble or whatever. And then the actions are, are, are playing out in the, the panels as this person is like remembering that or whatever. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I always, I think that's something unique about the medium. Not every other medium does that super well. So yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. Well, thank you for the suggestion, Jesse. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you. I, I don't know that I'll summon up or muster up the courage to pick up Marvel snap or not, but I'll, <laughs> I'll look into the other ones you mentioned for sure. Yeah. I mean, Hey, it's like I said, I, if you do pick it up, we can actually battle each other. They just introduced that feature. Um, battle your friends. Yeah. You can battle your friends. So, which is kind of fun and cool. Cause you don't actually, you're, you, you don't battle in rank then, which is kind of nice. Um, yeah, but do I really want to just get curb stomped by you repeatedly <laughs> until I invest enough time to actually I... present the challenge? True. Uh, I actually don't know what that looks like on like draft, like uh, quote unquote, like drafting cards for your deck. If it's only cards you play yourself or um, have unlocked yourself, but I would be nice. I would I would play to your level. I would only use cards that you have access to. I wouldn't like you know, throw out a card that um, uh, in the starting out of the game, like you get, there's something called a, a, a kazoo deck um, because there's a card Kazar. Uh, he gives all, he gives all one cost cards plus one, which is a really great strategy in pool and pool one, right? You get a lot of those, you play that in pool two though. There's this one card that completely destroys kazoo decks called Killmonger, where he just kills all one cost cards on the board. So that is a rude awakening when you are playing Marvel Snap for the first time and you're like, man, I'm doing so well. And then somebody drops that card and it's like, you haven't seen this card before. And it like makes it all big. And then you're like, oh, okay, what's that card do? And then your entire board goes away and you're like, oh, wins the game apparently. Cool. Thanks. <laughs> Fine. Yeah. That sounds like a card you'd see in Star Wars Epic Duels. <laughs> Yes, exactly. Awesome. Perfect. Yeah. All right, we'll wrap it up here. <laughs> well, uh, thank you so much for listening to Hit the Reel, the podcast where we talk about the entertainment that we consume and what we really think about it. Uh, we try to get this podcast out weekly, usually on Saturdays, sometimes on Sundays, uh, depending on how much I'm doing that uh, weekend. Um, and if you have a suggestion uh, for potentially a comic book we should uh, read or a show we should watch or um, a YouTube channel that is uh, a hidden gem out there, feel free to send us an email at hittherealpodcast at gmail.com. Again, that's hittherealpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, also, feel free to take a look at our Patreon in the description of the episode. We'd love the support. And before we sign off, um, Tune in next week uh, where this will be the la- this is the last episode of our season two. Um, so that means we've been doing this for two years now, Jesse. 
Um, and yeah. Uh, and we're going to be starting our season three and it's going to be a pretty special one. So tune in next week uh, for that. And like always, Hey, keep it real. Thank you.